0: time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Landmark Episode 475 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week I get to talk with a creator I've been looking forward to chatting with for quite a long time. And that's John Crowther, the creator of indie books such as Rochelle, a series of successful wrestling comics, and has even had an addition in Heavy Metal, among other things. We talk about his wonderful creations and what he's up to, as well as what we can expect from him in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy all he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this special episode, so let's get on with the show. i'm happy to welcome to the podcast john crowther a great creator here in central florida with me and he's got so many good books that i'm sure i can't remember them all so how are you doing john i'm
0: doing really well and you're right i'm I'm staying extremely busy in
1: these uh covid months so what books have you been making i know you just finished up a a kickstarter with Silverline. why don't we start with that what was that about
0: yeah, OK. So what I did with Silverline, um, for those of you who don't know who Silverline is, Silverline is a, is a small publishing company uh, that's run and owned by Roland Mann and his wife, BJ Mann. Um, Roland, of course, for people who are listening and, and, and know Roland, you know, he does a lot of the the, the, the Central Florida cons. Roland was a former editor uh, for Malibu Comics um, with Marvel back in the I think it was in the 90s. And, uh, you know, he's continued to write books and such, and he always wanted to do a publishing company, so he created Silverline, and uh, they were putting out some pretty good stuff, um, things that were kind of in line with, like, my old series Rochelle. And I had, along with Del Barris, who was my artist on that original Rochelle series, had, had started working on a, uh, a new title that didn't really have a home. Uh, we'd had some discussions with Antarctic Press, but, you know, we really hadn't finalized anything we were just kind of putting it together on the side while we were doing others and it was called teen beetle and uh teen beetle is kind of a throwback to well kind of like it is it is tied in somewhat to blue beetle um but it goes all the way back to those old uh, golden age when it was a the the actual um uh public domain blue beetle and and it's something we've always wanted to do and, and me in particular because you know i was a big fan of dell's uh, my artist um when I was a kid, and he did a lot of work for for DC Comics, actually, with Blue Beetle, so I thought it would always be kind of cool to pull the old uh, you know, public domain character out and see what Dell could do with it with me. So that's kind of what Teen Beetle comes into, and I don't want to give it away because you can still pick up copies of it, but it does, in in a way, tie into the old Blue Beetle uh, in a unique way, I think. And uh, we took that to Silverline, and and um, you know, Roland liked it. We ran a Kickstarter, it was successful, wrapped up, I want to say, probably about two weeks ago now, if I'm right, two weeks, two and a half weeks ago, for issue one. Um, it's going to be a three-issue series. We ran it, when when, when Roland runs these um, Kickstarters with Silverline, how he does it is he usually runs it as a flip book. So he did it with a flip book on an older book that he had done called Switchblade. Uh, God, I can't, and it misses me who he actually published that with, but it was done back in the 90s, um, and he re he remastered it. So we did a flip book with Switchblade and Teen Beetle. Of course, you could also get individual copies, and his Switchblade was a three-issue series too. So I think what the plan is, we're going to do a three-issue run. Um, hopefully the next issue will come out sometime later this year, and it'll also be run alongside Switchblade. And then my guess would be sometime in 2022 – Uh, We'll wrap up the series and, again, run it with the third issue of Switchblade.
1: So how did you do? I mean, how how much more than your goal did you make?
0: I want to say about 500 bucks. You know, it wasn't anything overly extreme, but the plan is once the series is done, I'm sure we'll run it again as a trade. And uh, and then there's some other things in the works that I don't want to – without Roland here, I don't want to give away – um, but there are some other things that are, are in the pipeline But what we might do with actually both series and maybe all of the series with uh, Silverline. So really, the the Kickstarter is more or less to, to fund the creation. But there are a lot bigger plans for what we plan on doing with it down the road.
1: So how far along are you guys with the first issue?
0: Well, the first issue is done
1: hmm. and, and it'll be it'll
0: be sent out to uh, to backers immediately. It's the second issue that we're kind of in the midst of putting together now. I'm, I'm writing the script. Uh, Once that's done, I'll get it off to Dell, and and like I said, hopefully later this year, we'll be able to run that second Kickstarter for issue two
1: uh, along with Roland and his Switchblade number two. That'll be great. That'll be great. Looking forward to that. So you're off to a good start, so that's great. Yeah. That's good. So uh, now let's talk about your other good things, and there's plenty. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about the one thing that i i always noticed when you go to cons and stuff you bring a wrestler along with you and stuff why don't you talk about the wrestling comics some
0: yeah the wrestling stuff has really been um consuming my time really more than any of the other stuff that's why when i mentioned the uh, teen beetle it was kind of done on the side as i've been doing a lot of this wrestling stuff as well as you know several uh anthologies that i've been a part of and i will plug one because one's in kickstarter right now but you know we've been putting out through squared circle comics um for those of you who've seen me at the cons you you, i'm sure you're aware of that like wayne said um back in 2015 i partnered up with a uh, kevin laporte and his business partner amanda rachel's they're from up in alabama they have a uh, publishing company called inverse press um, that does a lot of indie, you know, mainly horror comics. And I would backed a few of them on Kickstarter and I saw that they were fairly successful in, in what they did. I mean, they always funded. Um, they always got their you know, books out in a you know, speedy time manner and speedy manner. And, and so I was really impressed with it. But I had been contacted right after doing Rochelle uh, by Nikolai Volkov few wrestling fans out there. And Nikolai had actually, believe it or not, he had come across a copy of Rochelle and he he was a comic fan and he enjoyed it. And he had a mutual friend put us you know, together and we talked and he said he wanted me to do his uh, or asked me if I would do his uh, biography in a comic book format. He said that, you know, he'd been approached several times about it and people had kind of pumped him up, but no one had ever actually come through and done it for him. So I told him I would, and I said, Nikolai, I promise you, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to get it done. And uh, so I started writing his his book, and and I was looking for a home for it to get it at least into Kickstarter, to get it published. And that's when I reached out to Kevin and Amanda up in Alabama, and we decided to create Squared Circle Comics, which is what you know a lot of people will see at the um, shows. That's the banner I usually have, you know, floating behind me um, at my table. And um, but from Nikolai, you know, we we did really well the book. Was was very successful on Kickstarter. We did a three-issue run, um, grabbed enough attention that it actually was also picked up by Antarctic Press, and uh, we, we put it in comic book stores. We redid the title. We called it um, Turnbuckle Titans Nikolai Volkov, mm-hmm. and had a nice run with him. Um, and then Nikolai put me in contact with several other guys, and it just kind of kept blowing up. So the first one was uh, Bruno Sammartino. Uh, he introduced me to um, Brian Blair of the Killer Bees. Um, from there, you know, Brian is a wonderful guy. He's become a great friend. And Brian started introducing me around um, because Brian is, uh, um, is the president of a group called the Cauliflower Alley Club and what the cauliflower alley club or cac does is they try and you know it's a nonprofit that that tries to help out wrestlers from the past you know because a lot of those guys didn't have the contracts that a lot of the guys you see on tv you know they weren't making millions of dollars and or hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that and they didn't have insurance so as they get older in life you know they took quite a beating in the ring you know they can use a little kick here and there sometimes to uh, help them through but so i met brian did, did we did a killer b series and uh, he started introducing me around and uh, from there, we've done books for uh, Rock and Roll Express, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Jake Hager, who's now with AEW. Um, we we reached out to some of the Glow Girls, and we did a, a, a book for the original Glow from the 80s. We did one for Sonny, the California girl. Um, we've done books for Lanny Poffo, who, you know, for those of you who are wrestling fans, that's the uh, younger brother of Macho Man Randy Savage uh gosh it goes on and on and and we've got a lot more coming so um actually right before you and i started chatting i was on the horn with uh terry funk and i'm going to be starting terry funks uh script tomorrow actually um we've got another discussion at noon and we'll start working on that we recently signed some incredible guys uh uh road warrior animal we reached an agreement with his wife and we're going to be doing his story uh uh, Chris Pally's King Kong Bundy, his son. We just reached an agreement with him, and we're going to be doing a series on or a book on uh, on King Kong Bundy. We've got books coming out for Dan Severn. Um, for those of you don't remember Dan, he was a multi-time NWA champion as well as a UFC champion. He was pretty much Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar was probably even born. <laughs> uh, we've got, uh, gosh, we've got Magnum TA coming down the pipe. We've got hollywood who was actually the first glow wrestler ever signed so there's a whole bunch of stuff we've got in the works with with uh with the wrestling titles and uh there's going to be pumping out one after another this year and into next year and the year after that even
1: so you must be a big wrestling fan then
0: huge wrestling fan i mean i i grew up on wrestling here as a kid in central florida um you know watching championship wrestling from florida and i guess as i got a little older is when you know we didn't see wwe really until until sometime in the 80s and they started doing that saturday night's main event so you know i was a big fan of of championship wrestling from florida every saturday mornings of course on weekends you know they'd have the uh the old i guess it would have been wcw but it was nwa it was coming in out of atlanta Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling probably is what it really was, but um, coming in on TBS every every weekend at six oh five. You know, you see the six oh five shirts. That's what they're referencing. So, yeah, I loved wrestling since I was little, Um, and probably died off a little bit when I I got into college and uh, picked up again. You know, later in life, and honestly, right now I've kind of slowed it down a little bit. I'm so busy writing, I don't really have time (laughs) to go in and watch the. The current stuff too much but uh, i do like going on the network and watching some of those old videotapes
1: so you you're too busy telling the stories to watch the stuff
0: <laughs> exactly i'm too busy with the old stuff to keep up with the new stuff
1: i imagine someday you'll catch up and then you'll start uh yeah, i can write their books yeah exactly yeah that's right there's a, there's a future in this for you i think
0: yeah well i enjoy it you know and and i feel it's nice to to feel like I, i'm giving back uh some of these uh, guys and gals that that you know I I enjoyed watching when I was a kid cuz you know it's something unique you know they go to the they go to the conventions sometimes and you know they're selling photos and and such and that's one of the pitches I tell them you know what better to have at your table than instead of just a photo you got your life story you know and you're and you're reaching a whole new uh group of fans in some instances you know because not you know not all comic book fans are wrestling fans but wrestling characters are so much like comic book characters that it's just such a perfect fit so it really is a nice combo and it's a great way to reach out to a whole different spectrum and to keep yourself relevant i mean some of these guys we're working with like bruno i mean bruno you know he was big in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s but you know, when you get into the 2020s you know people weren't used to you know a lot of the young people watching wrestling today you could probably ask them who bruno sammartino is and they'd have no idea But here's a guy that held the title for 11 years. I mean, longer than any wrestler in history. And, uh, you know, he shouldn't be forgotten, nor should his contributions to the business.
1: It's interesting you say that, because on many levels, I know uh, several comics fans who are into wrestling as well. There's there's some similarities between them. Uh, And I I think it's great that you're doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoy it. I mean, I never would have thought, you know, like I said, I did Nikolai's in 2015. So I never would have thought. Five years ago or five and a half years ago that the guys that I used to watch on TV and get so excited about seeing that I would actually be their friend and telling their stories, you know, once I hit my my 40s and going into my 50s, it, I never would have imagined it. And I, and I honestly feel so blessed to be given the opportunity um, to do these things and to just to get to know them and realize and see what kind of cool people they really are and just really down to earth people.
1: Now, one of the fun things I get to see you do is you occasionally, when you're at a convention, have one of them uh, come along with you, like maybe uh, on a Saturday.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's a, so many, you know, being in Florida is really a blessing, too, because there are so many wrestlers that live in Central Florida, and particularly a lot of the guys I've worked with. So, you know, I've uh, one of the guys I used to have with me all the time, and I, I miss him dearly, uh, was Rocky Johnson. You know, for the last, you know, year, year and a half, I think every show I did – in florida i had rocky johnson sitting next to me in fact he told me one time he goes hey john i i don't do uh conventions unless you go with me so which was you know pretty nice pretty nice honor so yeah i mean i've had rocky with me numerous times before he died uh brian blair um lanny poffo jake hager uh another guy who i haven't done a comic-con although eventually down the road I, i i would love to um is bugsy mcgraw for people who are. Big fans of wrestling in Florida back in the 80s. Bugsy was, along with Dusty Rhodes, you know, two of the biggest names in Florida. And, you know, Bugsy's just over in Daytona Beach, not far from me. So I'm lucky enough, you know, being local, I can have Bugsy with me in Daytona or down in uh, uh, down in Deland and, and some places like that. Some of the other guys, I've done some shows, brought along with me Gangrel, who we just did his book. Um, Billy Gunn, whose book we're going to be working on. In the next year or so, uh, gosh, it just goes on and on. The Warlord, and we've got his book coming out. So yeah, it's a treat. It's fun for me to bring him, and I think it's a nice surprise. I've noticed that some fans will show up at my table just saying they, they wanted to come to the convention just to see who I was bringing along.
1: Oh, wow. Now, uh, I've got to ask, of course, uh, as a writer, you are. How do you go through the process of creating their story? I mean, do, you, do they tell you your story and then you turn it into a comic? Do you work with them while the comic's being done? How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've pretty much
0: nailed it. You know, I, we, a lot of these guys aren't on the Internet you know, So it's not as easy um, to be sending them art as we progress. Some of the guys are, you know, but a lot of them aren't. So generally how I start, just like with, with uh, uh, Terry Funk today, if they're not local, uh, Terry's in Texas, I give them a call, just like we're doing right now, and uh, I'll talk to him. I record it, and I get their life story. I'll ask them specific questions. There are certain things I like to ask that we, we put in the book. Um, you know, we like to get their life story, their background, but I also like to find out from them what they feel are the most compelling matches that they were involved in. So what you might pick up a list on a computer of like, you know, a fan telling you the 10 greatest or 15 greatest Terry Funk matches, that's all good and well, but I want to know what Terry Funk's favorite matches are. So those are the kind of things that I kind of shoot at them and I get them to talk about and what their feelings were in the match and, and how they felt about the business. And, and, so it really is, you know, when you read the words coming from, the, from you know, the perspective they're always written in the book is as though they're talking. So when you hear that, that's actually what they are telling me. You know, I, I that's why I use a recorder. I try and actually use the very words they're using to make it as natural as, as could possibly be when you're reading it um, from what they've told me. Now, obviously, it'll be a different formula, you know, when I work with the families of, uh, of, of King Kong Bundy and Animal, now that they've passed on, but you know, again, we can make it work and, and we will. I mean, there's so much story and so much history for, for those guys and for the other guys we're working with. And and it's, you know, it's fun. You know, we try and stay kayfabe on the matches. You know, I, I like I said, I love wrestling. I don't want to take away from wrestling in the book. But we want to tell you about the man and the woman, the men and the women behind who you see in the ring. But then we also want to keep the magic of wrestling as well. So that's what we try and do. We try and tell their story as they want it told. But then we want to keep the magic and, and get you the matches, some of the top matches, at least in their opinion, uh, in those books too.
1: Have you done the the women of wrestling? You'd mentioned them, and I was just curious. Have you actually told uh, like a woman wrestler story?
0: Yeah, the only one we've got out there right now it was for a girl named uh, Sunny, the California girl, and she was a one of the wrestlers for Glow. I mean, a lot of people probably know of Glow from Netflix, um, but this is the original Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling from back in the '80s, which really was a precursor. Um, to women's wrestling and, and, and kind of the divas that you see today uh, was this women's wrestling that was done at a casino in, in, in Las Vegas and, and had a pretty big cult following. In fact, it still does big enough that they made a Netflix show on it. So we've got hers coming out or already did come out and we've got actually the first ever uh, glow girl signed. Um, Jeannie Besson, who is known as Hollywood where hers is being worked on right now artist Carlos Tron, and it's going to be an amazing looking book too and, and I'm actually in discussion I don't want to drop names in, until we get them under contract but I'm in discussions now with some other um, you know, top level talent from, from uh, uh, Impact and from uh, AEW and from the WWE uh, some female wrestlers I, I kind of want to get a nice collection of some of those ladies in there too
1: it would be nice to do that. Have you ever collected these, like into uh, like uh, trade paperback kind on of a form or anything?
0: Yeah, that's a, thanks for asking the question. Uh, some of these things slipped me. Yeah, the first one we did like that. Um, actually, we did a we did a three issue trade volume of Nikolai's book, and then as Kevin and I were talking, we we came up with a concept that we wanted to do that kind of incorporates all the books we're doing rather than just doing trades on individuals. So we did a first value volume. Uh, towards the end of, of 2020, uh, it was called the uh, 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 Comic Book Encyclopedia of Pro Wrestling, and it had – God, I want to say it had about – I think it had like eight of our comics incorporated in one book uh, mm-hmm. along with some encyclopedic entries about different wrestlers, including the guys that we had in there. Did really well, so we've got a volume two that we plan on putting out towards the end of 2021, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep going as we put out these individual issues. Um, we've been talking recently about trying to step it up and actually running Kickstarters that will release three books at a time to try and step up the volume and then be able to put these books out in, the, in, a, in you know different volumes of the encyclopedia, hopefully maybe once a year or once every year and a half.
1: Hmm, Very cool. I mean, do you ever run into a wrestler who says, oh, no, not a comic? I couldn't have anything to do with that.
0: (laughs) No, not actually not that way. I mean, we've had a couple of guys that are, you know, they kind of question what we're doing. But I'll be honest, I had a couple do that. And then they came back to me later and (laughs) and asked if I was still interested in doing the book. I think what some of it is I found at the beginning is I learned that wrestling is kind of like a fraternity, you know. And once you gain their trust or you gain the trust of one or two guys or maybe two or three guys, um, word starts to get around. And people realize when you're a straight shooter and that you're, you know, you're not trying to scam anybody. Um, So I think if there's any hesitation, that's generally that's where the hesitation has been is they just didn't know me, you know. And once they got to know me or once they talked to people who did know me, you know, things change. And and then people want to get involved and, and they see what a nice product we're putting out. I mean, we're using artists. Uh, del barris for many years worked with dc comics and marvel comics rich parada uh, again he was an anchor with both dc and marvel we got javier lugo who just wrapped up the bobby fulton book um, that we finished up last week he's done some work with idw you know so we're using uh carlos tron who's who's doing the hollywood book uh you know he's done a lot of work with antarctic press and some other uh, other indie publishers so we're using some really talented guys the artwork is great you know, I'm not going to comment on the writing because it's me, but I think <laughs> but I think the writing is OK. I mean, it's passable. People seem to enjoy them. So, I mean, we're putting out quality products and, and 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 we're trying to keep a lot of these guys and gals relevant. You know, a lot of them haven't been in the ring in many years and, and, and they're looking for something. They, they love their fans, you know, and it gives back to the fans and it gives back to them.
1: And it also promotes them too. It gives a, a, a new audience, like you said.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So you've got the wrestling thing going on, and you've got uh, the 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 Teen Beetle thing. You've got other books. I know. Why don't we talk a little about about the first one of yours that I ever ran across? It was Rochelle. Am I Rochelle. pronouncing that right? Yeah, you've got it perfect. Yeah, you got it perfect. Why don't you tell people what Rochelle is about? Okay, so what happened with Rochelle? When
0: I'm not just a little background on myself. When I'm not writing comics, I'm actually actually a lawyer. <laughs> so you know, I was you know here I was in my forties. Now, going to law, going to the office, um, I always think someone needs a hobby. And it's not necessarily why I got into comics, but it's kind of become a little bit of that and now become kind of more of a second job. But I have a daughter. um, She's now 20, going to be 22, but she was a teenager at the time. And one of the things we like to do is go to Comic-Con's. So, you know, we were going to comic cons and, 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 you know, she was starting to like some of the female superheroes and such. And being a dad, you know, I wasn't really impressed with some of the female characters that were out there for her to look up to. So, you know, I've always been the kind of guy that if you don't like something, then do something to make it better. You know, so I decided, well, shoot, I'm just going to write my own comic. So I uh, that's what I did. I mean, I, I started researching how to do it. I reached out. Um, to a couple guys who are in the business and, 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 uh, was able to acquire a script because I had no idea how to write a script. Um, actually how it started was I, you know, I, I wrote, I found an address for Del Barris. I need to back up a little bit. I found an address for Del Barris who does a lot of my work now. And because I, I really liked his work with, with Blue Beetle and I wrote him a letter and I told him my idea that I had this idea about writing a comic about a, a cockroach girl. Um, And lo and behold, in about a month, I got a package back from him with some art in it and a business card with a note that said, call me. (laughs) So I was like, wow, you shouldn't, you know. So I I pick up the phone. I called Dell. We had a great conversation, really hit it off like we'd been friends forever. Um, And he said, you know, I haven't been doing comics in a while. I've been doing animation. He had actually been one of uh, Stan Lee's lead animators on the Spider-Man TV series Hmm. and done a bunch of things. I mean, he did like How to Train Your Dragon. He did a lot of the, uh, the Brat Girls TV shows and stuff like that. He'd worked for Cartoon Network, a bunch of them. But he says, I haven't done comics in a while. Get me a script, and I'd be more than happy to do this book with you. So then I was like, well, how the heck do I write a comic book script? So I started asking around. I found a website, for, of all things, for Marv Wolfman. And I, I sent a uh, an email to Marv, and I told him my, my predicament that I had an artist, I had an idea, and I had no idea how to write a script. So he mailed me a photocopy of one of his scripts so I would have a format.
1: Hmm.
0: And off of that format, I wrote the first issue of Rochelle. And so Rochelle was about a teenage girl who ended up with cockroach DNA, and how it happened, well, it wasn't like she got bit by a spider or a cockroach to get her powers. What it was was it's kind of, like, you know, kind of a pun a little bit. The mother wanted to have a child, but she didn't want a husband, so she goes and gets artificially inseminated with an egg that was accidentally uh, contaminated by a cockroach. So then she proceeds to give birth to a girl who has cockroach DNA. And we kind of ran with it, and it did well. The first issue, um, it actually came as a flip book with a local publisher here in Florida called AC Comics. I don't know if you're aware of AC. Mm -hmm. Uh, AC is owned or was at least founded by Bill Black, Mm -hmm. who's a wonderful man who I've done a lot of shows here locally with too. Bill had kind of stepped to the side, and, and it was now being run by another gentleman by the name of Mark Heike. Mm-hmm. And Dell was friends with those guys, so Dell had had sent you know the book over, and they liked it, and they offered to run it as a flip book on the back of their long running series Femforce. It was actually on the back of Femforce 170, uh, and black, and it was in black and white, and it did really well. Um, Surprising. I mean, I didn't know that many people were gonna. Their sales rose. I was even, I even got some residuals out of it. Um, but it also got it got discovered by um, Joe Dunn. Uh, Joe and, and Ben have Antarctic Press out in San Antonio, Texas, and they reached out to me, or Joe did, and said, would you be interested potentially in bringing Rochelle over to Antarctic Press? Now, here I had no idea any of this was going to happen. I mean, I had done a comic basically for my daughter um, because I wanted her to have something cool that wasn't like an inappropriately dressed superheroine. And I also kind of used to joke with people that it was costing me so much money to go to these conventions and I wasn't getting younger. I was getting tired and it was only going to cost me like 50 bucks more to have a table with somewhere to sit. So at least if I had a comic, I'd have somewhere to sit at the convention and I could maybe try and make some of my ticket money back. So that was kind of like the whole idea in the first place. But now I actually had people who were interested in it. So, um, I said, sure. You know, of course they didn't want it in black and white. They wanted it in color. So then I had to figure out about getting the colorist, which I was able to do. They, they, um, sent me a colorist that works for them named David Hutchison and I kicked out two more issues, ran with them, did fantastic. I mean, we, you know, for an indie comic, I, we got some great reviews from a lot of websites around the country. Um, some of them saying it was the, you know, their favorite, you know, indie comic, uh, of, of the year. And, and, uh, we had, um, uh, Oh gosh. I mean, we were, you know, we made it into comic stores. It was, you know, we got in diamond. It was just great. Um, did well enough that they asked me to do another run. So I did another three issue run with them, but that was at the same time that things were picking up with wrestling, Hmm. you know? So I got those two issues out. We did a trade of the first volume and I'd been so busy, um, you know, with the wrestling that I really haven't done another run with Rochelle, although I intend to. Um, but some other things did pop up with Antarctic. I, Have you heard of their exciting comic series? Yes. Okay, so I co-created a a character called Blackjack that ran in issues one – I want to say it was issues one, three, and four. Um, And then they brought me on board to co-write their first three issues of horror comics, which did really well for them. Um, Very happy with how that came out. In fact, I don't know that it was a direct result, but um, once horror comics released, we had all three issues cracked into the top – I think 250 in sales um, nationwide. That, that and when I say 250, that's competing against DC and Marvel and Boom and and Image and and all those guys. It really did well, and uh, and it jumped Antarctic Press from being I think unranked in the distribution chain to number seven in the world in comic book distribution. So, you know, I was pretty proud of that. So we did three issues with that, and then you know, other than that, it's, it's been a lot of the wrestling stuff and contributing to. Um, Anthologies. I did hit a holy grail for me uh, last year, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before I put my first story in heavy metal magazine.
1: Yeah, I noticed that.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty cool accomplishment. Um, I, you know, as a kid growing up and once I became a teenager, probably my favorite uh, graphic magazine to read was heavy metal. So I kind of had that on my target of something that if I could accomplish anything in comics, I wanted to get a story on heavy metal. And once I got it in there, I said, oh, hell, now what do I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I could check that one off the top, so I had to, I had to move stuff above it. So um, that's what I'm doing now. I put one step above it. I'm now, you know, he didn't lead into it, but I'll go ahead and just go straight to it. Is, um, I'm writing my first non-comic book, um, which was another goal that I had as I started writing was I wanted to see if I could pull that off. So I am now about. I want to say I started in November, maybe October. Um, I started interviewing the Bushwhackers from the WWE, and we are working on right now their, their full-length uh, biography, autobiography. Um, right now, I think I just hit about page 350. So we're getting close to the end, um, and it's basically telling their entire lives from when they were kids growing up in New Zealand – uh, wrestling, you know, through New Zealand and through Australia and, and all through the A- Asian countries up until when they got to uh, the NWA and started wrestling throughout the United States and Canada and, and in Puerto Rico and, and all those territories as the sheep herders. And then eventually when they ended up in the, in the WWE, WWF, uh, and became the lovable bushwhackers, you know, that licked people's heads and such. So that, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's another thing that's on my table right now. Every Wednesday night uh, is, is usually me, Butch, and Luke. Doing a chat like I am with you right now for about an hour and a half, two hours, getting Bushwhacker, Sheepherder, Kiwi, New Zealand Kiwi stories.
1: <laughs> well, that leads me to ask, are there any wrestlers you would still want to write about?
0: Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, I've got so many right now on the, uh, on the chart that, I'm, that are already under contract. But um, outside of those, you know, and, and I would love, uh, honestly, to do a, a book on Bret Hart and, mm-hmm. and basically the Hart family. Um, that's kind of what I'd like to aim for some of the families. I mean, I'd love to work with the hearts. I've actually talked to, uh, Afa and Sika about doing a, a comic on the Samoan dynasty. Um, and those guys are here in central Florida. Um, so I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, you know, being that we've talked to him a few times about it. So that, that'd be one I'd love to do. Um, I've had brief discussions on Facebook with, um, uh, Dustin Rhodes about possibly doing one on him. In the Rhodes family, um, which would be amazing. You know, I I remember growing up, you know, with Dusty Rhodes here in Florida. He was kind of like every kid's, you know, hero uh, for a while there back in the early to mid 80s. Uh, And then what his sons have done is amazing. You know, Dustin was incredible, not only as, as the natural Dustin Rhodes, but also as Gold Dust. And then what Cody has done, creating basically AEW. Um, you know, those that family is just an amazing wrestling family. So, if I were to say, you know, three that are on the radar that we haven't signed, it'd be Bret Hart and the Hart family, the Samoan dynasty, and, and I'd love to do one on the on the Rhodes family.
1: Hmm. Of course, now I have got to talk about the superhero side. Uh, as far as like superheroes, uh, you created superheroes. Are there any superheroes you'd like to write?
0: Other than my own, honestly, mm-hmm. not really. I mean, I, I like doing my own stuff. I mean, I've, I'm a firm believer in creativity, and, and I like creating. Um, I know a lot of people put on their bullet list that they, put, or, or you know, they they want to work for Marvel or DC. I've honestly never wanted that. Uh, it's not anything that really interests me. I mean, I'm, I've got a full time job, so I'm not looking for a full time job with a big publisher. Um, and I like the independence. I like being able to create without, you know. Obviously I have to a degree some editors with Silverline or, or, or with Squared Circle and stuff like that. But it's really whatever I wanna do. And I don't I don't wanna necessarily step in and, and, and be kinda constrained by someone else's character or or stories and, and not be able to tell what I wanna tell. So I can honestly say I don't really have another character of anybody else's that I really want to write for.
1: So not Superman?
0: No. <laughs> no. I mean I, I enjoyed Superman. I like hearing what other people have to have him do. But I would rather make my own Super Guy than than uh maybe I'll make one called Super Guy. But I would rather I would rather do my own than pick up another character and try and tell someone else's story.
1: Well, speaking of that, how many other characters do you have that you haven't brought to the, the the indie comics yet?
0: Honestly, I don't really have a portfolio of characters. I mean, a lot of times if I'm telling a story, they kind of come to me as I'm doing it. I mean, we've got. Quite a few that came together in the Rochelle series that I have branched out, like, for instance, in the second volume of Rochelle. Actually, I think he may have even appeared in the first one. Uh, there was a young character named an African-American boy named uh, Pure Genius. And he was a guy he is, you know, he is a nerd that was picked on in school. And you know, that was one of the underlying themes in my book was that uh, you need to get to know people Um, because all of us are special in our own way so the kids would pick on him and pick on him and pick on him and really drive him to where he couldn't take it anymore but they didn't realize he was actually the smartest person on the planet hence pure genius um so i did have him carry over into the teen beetle series um some people have asked me in fact i did a short story on lopside was another character from rochelle um about a girl who had a limp that the kids in school would tease and pick on her and you know um call her names, call her lopsided. So eventually she can't take it anymore. She throws off her cloak. And the reason she limps is because she's basically like she Hulk on half of her body. You know, she's got this massive, powerful arm and and, and such. And that's a character that we did a, a separate little short story on. And, and I've had some, you know, thoughts about trying to do a little series on her too. It's kind of like a goth girl, um, with her own little, little tale to tell. And of course, some of the, you know, some of the villains I created, like, uh, uh, Big country and major mess. I had fun creating the names. I remember major mess. Someone asked me how I came up with that name. And I remember I was in a hotel room actually with my wife. I think it was in Georgia. And there was a massive storm outside. And the the weather uh, lady on the weather station, she says, there's a major mess outside. I looked at my wife and I said, there's my next (laughs) supervillain. That's funny. You know, I guess, you know, how how else do things come around? I mean, something's got to inspire you.
1: Well, I've often talked to creators, and that happens. They're in the middle of a conversation, and somebody uses a certain phrase, and they say, that's it. That's the phrase I've been looking for.
0: As soon as you sit down and try and think of something, you'll sit there for like hours and and never think of anything. It's when something just hits you on the side of the head, and and, and you say, wow, I think I'm going to run with that. I remember when I even created Lopside. I was in this – there's I don't know if you know this group on Facebook. There's a group called uh, Independent Creators Connection. I think they call it ICC is the abbreviation for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were have a bunch of guys were gals were having this conversation about what could never be a character. And they were trying to say that the only kind of characters that would ever find success in mainstream comics were characters that were you know. Had to be, they had to be like the the epitome of beauty or the epitome of handsomeness. Everything had to be, you know, perfectly aligned. You couldn't have any kind of deformity or anything like that. And I said, I bet you I could create a lopsided character and make it famous. And that's how I created lopsided.
1: <laughs>
0: that's pretty cool. I said, it's not, I said it's not really about how the character looks. I said it's about how the character is written and how the character acts in the story. It's not. People aren't, you know, regardless of what people want to believe. Not everybody's just looking for the perfect look or anything
1: like that. They're looking for a good story. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you, of course, since you're a lawyer, have you ever created a lawyer superhero?
0: <laughs> no, and I never planned to. It'd have to be a, it have to be a supervillain, I think.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I. This is this is my escape from law. I mean, I don't want to say I dislike law, um, but I don't. I don't know. I don't I don't want to be defined by being a lawyer ever. You know, I I think it's law is more of a means to an end. I mean, I like to be able to help people through it. I do estate planning and I meet some very interesting people. I mean, I meet some, uh, you know, generally I, I work with for the most part, you know, older clients, older than me or my age and older. And I meet some really interesting people, but that's, I don't want to be defined by law. I remember being a kid one time. Oh, I say I was a kid. I was in my twenties and I had just gotten out of law school. I remember going shopping with my mother one time and I was single and we go through this checkout lane at a, at a, some kind of a department store. And my wife says, or my mom, my mom says, this is my son. He's a lawyer and he's single. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I remember telling her afterwards, I'm like, why the hell did you do that? I'm like, you could have said I was single. Why the heck did you have to tell her I was a lawyer? You know, you know that's not what I, I want to be remembered by. If if I want to be remembered for anything, I just want to remember by being a good person. And, and you know, and if you want to define me by any kind of work I've done, you know, define me by the wrestling, define me by the comics. They, I want to leave something behind that somebody that people enjoy. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and I and I hope that I'm doing that.
1: I'm sure you are. Now, I've got to ask because I've noticed you've been going to some of the smaller conventions that are starting up after we've been down for a while. How have they been going for you? Fantastic. Honestly,
0: I think, you know, COVID obviously has
1: shut a lot of people down. Um,
0: A lot of people in the industry, you know, not necessarily me because I'm blessed that I have another job um, that puts food on the table, but that's not the case for everybody. So I think a lot of creators and publishers and, and and people who sell comics and sell toys and stuff like that. They're starving for avenues to, um, to put their product out there. And then again, I think there's also on top of that, there are fans that have been locked up in their houses and they haven't been able to go out. They haven't been able to do things. They haven't had conventions. They haven't, you know, for a long time, you couldn't even go in the comic store. I think you had to like tell the comic guy what you wanted and you drive up in your car and he'd put it in a bag and bring it out to you. So mm-hmm. people are starving for some form of entertainment or and especially the entertainment that they miss and they're also starving for you know interaction you know as human beings we we're we're, we're sociable people you know and i think we've been not able to have that for going on over a year now and uh, People missed it, so when we do the shows, obviously, you know, we're wearing masks, and, and, and you know, the, the attendance has actually been pretty good. But it's, it's, they try and keep it down. I think more so on the part of the of, of the uh, convention uh, runners, but they've been great. I mean, I've been selling a lot of things. I've been seeing a lot of new people, in addition to a lot of the older people um, or prior people that I just haven't seen in a year. And uh, people seem to be excited, and I think people are motivated to kind of get through this the stuff we're going through and, and try and get to the other side so we can get things back to normal.
1: Well, I finally got my second uh, vaccine shot. So I am, okay. I'm happy for that. Of course I qualify. I'm over 65 and I'm all those good things going on. Yeah. Um, are you going to get any, when those become available, are you going to get those shots?
0: Uh, I steer away from that stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's,
0: you know, it's, it's kind of a personal decision. Um, right now I probably if someone asked me today, I probably wouldn't, and it's not that I'm against vaccines, so I don't want anybody listening to think I'm like an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. Um, I've personally had family members that have been poisoned by medications in the past, um, so I've got, I think, a legitimate fear sometimes of medications like that. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer, and I'll sit and wait and, and make sure everything's kosher with everybody who does go out and get it, which I would never discourage anyone else from getting it. I think if if people want to get a vaccine, whether it be for covid or for the flu or from whatever pick chicken pox whatever they want to get a vaccine for if that was what makes them comfortable and they want to get it by all means you should go out and get it but i you know i'll wait you know maybe eventually i will but at this point i'm not in a rush and it's more you know i'll admit it i'm I'm scared (laughs) because i've seen family members get sick from not this vaccine but from from other medications in the past so i'm not one to be i don't want to ever be the first in line
1: Okay, I I normally don't get vaccines. I don't get the flu shots. I'm sicker from the shots than I am from the flu. So I don't usually do that. Yeah.
0: And I've heard that. I mean, I've had clients, you know, come in and tell me that they've gotten the one guy came in today and he said to me, um, yeah, he goes, I got to get my second vaccine for COVID. He goes, I got the first one. I'd had back surgery and this first shot hurt worse than any back surgery I've ever had. So I'm not looking forward to the next one. So I was like, okay, well, that's not motivating me to go get it right now. (laughs) You know, so I mean, I have things like that that come in, and of course, I've had a couple. They've come in and said I haven't had anybody come in and say they had no issues, but I've had you know a couple people come in and say, ah, oh, it hurt for a day or so, but it eventually went away. So you that's
1: know. my that's my thing. I it, it, my arm was sore you for each one for a day or two afterwards, but yeah. the second one made me tired. But other than that, it didn't do that much for me. So,
0: and, so and, and the tiredness can even be stress from it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. The body can do some, you know, odd things when it's nervous or stressed
1: or, or whatever. So,
0: but, you know, so my idea is I'll wait to make sure everybody else is doing good. If everybody else is still around, maybe I'll think about getting it.
1: That works. Now, as far as like cons, do you have any cons that are coming up that you can uh, tell people about?
0: I'm trying to think. I've got um, the ones on the uh, – I know I've already agreed with uh, – Tom Roth, who runs DeLand and Daytona, I'm going to be doing DeLand again, but that's not till next year. I'm going to be doing Daytona Comic Con, which is a, a two-day show. But this year, he's not doing it at Embry-Riddle. I guess, I don't know for what reason, other than possibly he couldn't reach an agreement with Embry. I know there may be some issues with doing conventions on college campuses with COVID right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, he's doing the Daytona show out at the Volusia County Fairgrounds, which is actually just a little bit outside of DeLand. Um on 44, heading towards New Smyrna Beach. So I'll be there in September. Um, and Super Bowl, or not sorry, Super Bowl, uh, um, WrestleMania weekend, April 9th and 10th. I will be down in Tampa, Florida. Um, there's going to be a wrestling for you wrestling fans. Uh, it's called Wrestle Stock. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Scott Wilder, who He actually, all of our wrestling books, he he takes the back page ad on, on our back cover ad and all of those. Well, he's, he's running a a show down there. That's going to have a fantastic lineup. I know demolition, uh, Brutus beefcake, Bushwhacker Luke, um, God, the list goes on and on. Um, a lot of veterans he's going to have down there. It's going to be the only wrestling convention in Tampa during WrestleMania. So it'll be a great show. I'll be down there. Um, I'll have Bugs and McGraw with me and, and possibly a couple other guys. Um, And July, I think it's well, maybe June or July, um, in Jacksonville, River City Wrestling Con. It's one they took off last year because of COVID, but I did it two years prior. They're going to have a wrestling, another wrestling show. Um, it's got a great lineup. I think some of the headliners are Kane, uh, Kurt Angle, and uh, uh, Cactus Jack or uh, Mick Foley. And that's but uh, uh, God, that's just the top of the iceberg on some of the names that are going to be there. So, wrestling fans, there's some great shows coming up that I'm going to be at. And then, you know, the comic stuff, it's not as big, um, but yeah. And, and Daytona Comic Con will be in September, and then Deland will they'll crank around again next January. Um, kind of my policy has been I'm kind of slowing down the convention circuit a little bit, even though you know I've done a couple recently, and mainly because I'm so busy writing. Mm. You know, and I try and stick local. If they're close to me, if they're within, you know, an hour or so, then I'm always happy to do it. But beyond that, I'll stay home and write.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of which, how do people get a hold of your books if they want to get them? Where, where do they, uh, is there a place online?
0: Yeah, well, there, it's kind of, it depends on which ones you're looking for. I mean, you can always find my old titles with Antarctic Press. <clears throat> on the Antarctic Press website, um, some of them are probably – you can honestly still pull them up on like eBay and, and, and Amazon. Um, heavy Metal, you can find that issue with Heavy Metal at the Heavy Metal store. You can type in my name at the Heavy Metal store and, and, and it will pop up. Squared Circle Comics, you can find uh, the Squared Circle page on Facebook. Uh, you can also find it by just Googling the website and you can order the books through them. Um, the, the Bushwhacker book, when that comes out, we're going to do a Kickstarter on it actually. And then we'll have – we're doing our our publishing through uh, Kenny Casanova. He did uh, Bugs McGraw's book. He did – along with another writer, but he did that book. He did Brutus Beefcake. He did Vader, Sabu. You'll be able to find it through its W-O-H-W Publishing when that comes out. And, of course – Anything that you're looking for, you can always get it through me and you can find me on Facebook. But just by looking me up, John Crowther, uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, Instagram. I've also got a, a, a business page on Facebook called John E. Crowther, comic book writer. Message me and I'm always happy to, uh, which is nice because then I get the money for it. But if you, if you reach out to me, uh, I'll sell them to you directly and I'll even sign them for free. Um, so, yeah, anything that I wrote, I've still got copies of. I've got my comps. And I'm always happy. In fact, I think I shipped out six or seven books uh, just a couple days ago. So wow. people are always always welcome to reach out to me on, on uh, social media. And plus, I like to chat with people anyway. And uh, and I'll sign them and I'll ship them right to your house.
1: Well, I, I have to say that when I read your writing, it has that sense of fun and adventure to it, which I really like. So all I can tell you is keep on doing it because you're doing wonderful stuff.
0: Thank you. I really enjoy it. I appreciate it.
1: that's it for this episode. Be back next time I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then keep reading your comics. It's over, Joker. Over? Why, my dear delusional dark knight, it hasn't even begun.